Good afternoon. I'm William Chung, the Managing Editor of uh, Fukram. And today we are here to do another podcast on the situation surrounding the latest uh, ASEAN summit meetings and of course Myanmar and the overall uh, uh, situation in the Indo-Pacific. I have with me today Mo Tuza, who's the co-coordinator of the Myanmar Studies Program here at ISIS, and Sharon Sia, who is the coordinator of the ASEAN Studies Centre also at ISIS. So we're going to take us through a couple of uh, issues that have developed um, in the past few weeks, and that includes the 38 and 39 ASEAN summits, developments in Myanmar, as well as how external powers like the United States, China, and Australia have uh, been engaging ASEAN. So without much further ado, we're, we're going to jump right in uh, and ask uh, my colleague Sharon here to take us through a kind of a quick overview and highlights of uh, what we have seen at the recent ASEAN summits. Uh, Sharon? Okay, thank you, William, for having me on the program. So first of all, a sitting U.S. president finally came to the summit, so that's a yay for ASEAN. And on top of that, ASEAN upgraded two dialogue partnership relationships, one with yeah, China and the other yeah. with Australia. Uh, ASEAN's also managed to regain a modicum of credibility with regards to Myanmar. We'll talk about that later. Um, but clearly, from the summits, it's, uh, they are still very much preoccupied with COVID-19 and with the plans for a safe economic recovery um, so from the statements, you can see that they've actually managed to progress on some key recovery elements, including digital economy and some form of tourism recovery. Uh, that includes an agreement to establish an ASEAN digital economy framework under the AEC by 2025, the endorsement of a Bandasari Bagawan roadmap setting out an ASEAN digital transformation agenda, the adoption of an ASEAN circular framework economy, and also an EAS statement on economic growth through tourism recovery. So I think digital economy integration, partnerships, paperless trade, promoting e-commerce have all become very important in this era where physical face-to-face -face transactions are now difficult. Um, other decisions, including a declaration on blue economy and the EAS statement on sustainable recovery, which by the way was a mm -hmm. joint idea between the US and China, uh, th those oh, reflect the growing importance of sustainability and climate change. Uh, in terms of the travel corridor arrangement, I think people were a bit hopeful for more progress, but mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't the case. They will operationalize it later. So, Sharon, that's a, that's a great overview. So, tell me if like, I'm just an ordinary citizen in Thailand and Cambodia or Vietnam, like, you know, all this highfalutin talk that goes on at ASEAN summits, like, how does it make a difference to the ordinary man or woman on the streets, say, of Phnom Penh or Hanoi? Like, what, what are the, say, the three things, the three main things do you think, you know, will actually make a difference to the lives of ordinary citizens in Asia? I think the focus on the digital economy will mm -hmm. translate into governments wanting to put in more of the cyber infrastructure and the digital infrastructure. So if you're a citizen in those countries, I think you can expect that there will be improvements. Not immediately, not overnight. I mean, in months to come, they'll be thinking about ways to improve that so that they can take advantage of those agreements that are coming online. Mm. Yeah. 
So that's one digital mm. economy. I guess COVID, there, there's some deliverables yeah, there as there well. Are, right? Yeah, so the US has pledged 40 million vaccine doses and some 200 million in emergency health and humani- humanitarian assistance and so has the Australian. So you will expect to see some of that flowing through to the person on the ground. Mm-hmm. And our Indian friends have also indicated that uh, I think Singapore Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong has already pointed out that India plays a pivotal role in COVID recovery in the sense that India is one of the biggest manufacturing hubs for vaccines, right? So the fact that uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi mentioned the issue, I think that will also see some kind of tangible deliverables for for citizens in, in ASEAN. Yeah, certainly. And also together with some ASEAN member states like Indonesia who are planning to set up their own manufacturing plants, I think that supply chain is going to be shortened and you will see more of the supplies and less of the disruptions coming mm-hmm. through to this region. That's, mm-hmm. that's all very good for the people here. Okay, so what I'm getting is digital economy, COVID recovery, and given that I think Myanmar was mentioned at some point, if I remember correctly, with what you said, so what do you say actually to ordinary citizens in Myanmar who are looking at the summits and I think it was very, it, it struck out as a image, you know, of the Myanmar screen being empty in, mm. in all the virtual meetings uh, that we saw and it's captured uh, even across different newspapers in Southeast Asia. Do you have any words to say about uh, so Myanmar? I, I- I think it depends on mm-hmm. which camp you're on. I think if you are belonging to the civil disobedience movement, obviously here, here. that's a win <laughs> for you. And um, in in the statement where the, the chair has actually put other principles of the charter, like rule of law, good governance, democracy, constitutional government, right up there with non-interference, I think that was very significant. So that tells us that you know uh, they're really taking this issue seriously and that is exactly what we the people of ASEAN want mm, mm. I think that's an excellent answer and I think we're going to shift over to Mo here I think the question here is that you know Mo um, the whole concept of non-interference that ASEAN has been talking about all these years uh, it seems that it's, um, it's a concept that's in evolution I think with what we see with Myanmar uh, you know not being invited at the ministerial level. So maybe you want to take us through, you know, some of the highlights that were, uh, you know, taken about Myanmar and how you see uh, the road ahead in terms of how ASEAN manages Myanmar. Thanks, William. Hi, Sharon. Um, I just couldn't help jumping in when Sharon was giving those uh, observations about, you know, those areas about US-China collaboration. Um, on topics that are important. And as of course, you know, we are also seeing, as Sharon has uh, so rightly and so aptly highlighted, uh, about um, ASEAN taking the Myanmar crisis seriously and sending that message to both the State Administration Council Hunter as well as to the people of Myanmar who, whose lives have been completely disrupted after the February 1 coup. I mean, they were already suffering disruptions due to COVID. So really, it's a confluence of crises in Myanmar. The coup, COVID, uh, compounding everything. But, you know, looking ahead to Cambodia's chairmanship, I suppose, uh, and, and uh, this, this uh, continuing to hold the line, if I could use that, that phrase, I think similar to this year, 
all eyes are going to be on how Cambodia uh, continues to deal with the, uh, the Myanmar crisis. And uh, of course, you know, Cambodia has been watching things very carefully. Uh, there are some voices about um, how its peace building, national reconciliation experience of the past might give them an edge um, in uh, tackling the challenges and so on. So I think all of this, uh, you know, all the statements that we have heard also from the ASEAN leaders at the recent summits, what's coming across clearly is it's important to hold the line. Mm. And of course, you know, Cambodia can do no less than what uh, current outgoing uh, chair Brunei has done uh, since day one. And Sharon, you were talking about the language in the uh, chairman's statement of the ASEAN summits. That also recalls those principles that Brunei issued as ASEAN chair on February the 2nd in mm -hmm. response to the coup. So this is all, I think, ASEAN's uh, indications that, you know, the whole notion of non-interference, consensus building, consultation, mm -hmm. is shifting, it's evolving, and there are flexibilities. And it's not that kind of rigid uh, adherence that uh, folks in Nebido sitting in the seat of power seem mm -hmm. to think it is. I'll mm. stop there. So that, that's, that's an excellent way of putting it. I remember um, what uh, Cambodian leader Hun Sen said uh, when he was taking over the chairmanship for next year, and he was saying Quota is saying that ASEAN did not expel Myanmar, but Myanmar abandoned its right. So what, what you said more about, you know, uh, Brunei having set the floor, you know, of what ASEAN should do, uh, set the floor for Cambodia in its chairmanship next year. Let me let me be a devil's advocate to you, uh, Mo. We all remember, for those who have been following ASEAN for the longest time, 2012, what happened with the failure of ASEAN to issue a kind of a communique, right? That was a historic kind of failure to issue a communique in ASEAN's 45-year existence. That was in 2012. And that, of course, we know was under Cambodia's chairmanship. Given the kind of progress that we've seen in Cambodia's relationship with China, you know, um, especially kind of Cambodia's position on the South China Sea, you know, the, the complex dynamics involved, do you think that that will again be a factor come 2022? With That's Cambodia a really, really interesting question, William. And here, I think I'm going to look at it along the lines of, uh, you know, ASEAN's emphasis on centrality. So what you talked about, the experience in 2012, that's a kind of an illustration of what happens when the external centrality, the, sorry, the external dimension of ASEAN centrality is affected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Myanmar case, right, uh, in 2021, the Myanmar crisis going ahead uh, into 2022, this is more to do with ASEAN's internal centrality. Mm -hmm. So really, the question here is, you know, uh, ASEAN member states, leaders, they're asking these hard questions. You know, what does ASEAN mean to you? They're mm -hmm. posing this question to senior general Min Aung via this uh, decision about attendance and representation at the summit. And, you know, by that same token, I think uh, Cambodia taking up that mantle of chairmanship next year will also need to uh, view this in in this lens of ASEAN's uh, internal centrality and the importance of uh, committing. So I, I think here maybe, you know, may, maybe my, my, my very basic take is it might be 
something more straightforward for a country like Cambodia to try mm -hmm. and uh, deal with this, you know, internal dimension of centrality. But, you know, Sharon raised a very interesting point earlier on about the US and China agreeing on certain priorities that became yeah. uh, declarations and statements. And in September at the United Nations, we also yeah. saw this kind of agreement mm -hmm. between the US and China with regard to uh, the, the Myanmar representative appointed by the uh, deposed National League for Democracy government continuing in uh, the seat at the UN. So I think we need to consider what uh, the powers are thinking and, and, and are concerned with. Clearly, there is this unease about the state administration council junta continuing the way it is. And that's definitely going to uh, be reflected in Cambodia's actions with mm. or without that quote-unquote external interference. Hmm. So that's that's another excellent point that you raised more about kind of the U.S.-China agreement, you know, on the, you know, uh, some issues at the summit and also mentioning the United Nations. So it was also the United States and China, Sharon, who agreed to kind of uh, delay or postpone the decision on, you know, recognizing uh, that Myanmar ambassador to the United States, as in they kind of put it on hold. Was it how many months was that, Sharon? Was it six months? Or? No, it's it's going to be decided in November. Okay. Yeah. And Next month. The fact that they've agreed to kind of put it on hold, it kind of gave ASEAN the kind of the breathing room, you know, to not go either way, whether it's fully recognizing the State Administration Council or the NUG. So do you think we'll continue to see this kind of dynamics playing out in 2022 in terms of, you know, the US and China giving some space to ASEAN to keep kicking the can down the road, if you like, uh, when it comes to recognition of Myanmar? Yeah, I think where uh, their interests coincide and they align, uh, we'll see things happening and progressing fast. But where their core interests are threatened, for the two major countries, there will be disagreement, and that's where ASEAN gets caught between uh, a rock and a, another hard place, right? So, so that's the difficulty. But thankfully, at this summit, it does seem that there are more agreements than disagreements, and things are progressing. And like what Mo talked about, you know, how what Cambodia needs to do is really just to hold that line. I think internationally, there are signs that people are going to hold the ASEAN line as well. I hear that. Cambodia is hosting the ASEAN summit and the general is not invited. And it's very likely that when Indonesia hosts the G20 next year, mm -hmm. he's not going to get an invite as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in a sense, this is how kind of external powers kind of weigh in on ASEAN or what, whatever you define to be ASEAN centrality in, a in the sense that if the United States is not willing to appear on the same table or the same virtual platform as the you know the ministerial representative from Myanmar, ASEAN wouldn't be able to carry out you know that meeting, you know, because the if somehow the ministerial rep from Myanmar appears, you know, or it's invited to this forum, the United States is going to say we're not attending, you know, because it's it's going to be a massive problem for for us. So it's kind of a normative kind of pressure put on ASEAN in a sense, and we'll see this continue during Cambodia's chairmanship. I think increasingly so, yeah. And also because all the external partners have told ASEAN that they will let ASEAN take the lead 
and they will support ASEAN, right? And and them just keeping that line together with ASEAN, it's very important. It's them showing that support, isn't it? Mm, mm. Well, yeah, they're, they're saying that ASEAN can take the lead insofar as they are the interests of the external powers allow, right? Yes. Right. That's that's the major qualifier. <laughs> yeah. ASEAN can take the lead as long as you don't get the junta chief from Myanmar invited, you know. But if you want to invite him, we are not coming, right? Basically, that's 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 the way that things are being. I really? think that that's kind of really? a welcome Sorry. development. Really, I could interject well. yeah. here. I think this is also that dimension of, you know, uh, where the internal and external dimensions of ASEAN centrality intersect. Because, you know, in the past, right, when Laos was ASEAN chair, and that was like way back in 2004 or so, mm-hmm. um, the, the uh, level of representation of uh, the United States at ASEAN's key political meetings, uh, I, I think Condoleezza Rice attended the uh, important meetings. And ASEAN took that very much that, you know, you know, what does ASEAN mean to you, our dialogue partner, United States? So there was also, I think, that concern right now, uh, rather than, you know, a complete non-attendance from the dialogue partners, there would be a lower level, a downgrading of representation. And mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't look good if um, ASEAN's important dialogue partners are all uh, sending lower level representatives to uh, to meet and discuss with the heads of state and government from mm. uh, the nine ASEAN member countries, yes, just because of that. one country's, or maybe I should probably say one person's ego. And I think ASEAN has really called that out very clearly. Mm. That's, that's, that's a great point uh, to make. And just moving, moving right along, um, you know, we also we've seen, you know, Sharon has provided us more with a very expert listing of you know all the meetings and the summits and the plus yes, ones Sharon, and the kind of so ASEAN regional forum and East Asia summit. I've lost track of the number of acronyms involved in her in her cheat sheet. But uh, do you do you what 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 are your biggest takeaways actually, Sharon, from from the meetings? Um, I think you've listed about twenty five. No, maybe no. fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> no, so. Actually, the leaders worked very hard. They either approved or endorsed or noted some 99 statements in all. So obviously, there are some that's more important than the others. And I think what's really important is the way they handled the relationship with China and Australia. So as you know, both countries have been asking to Mm. get an upgrade to a comprehensive strategic partnership. And they did. Uh, They got it uh, at this summit. So that just really signals that ASEAN's prepared to go that little bit closer to both of the partners. Um, and it'd be interesting to see really how that relationship develops. Um, in terms of the US, I think it's great because they managed to secure a separate statement on digital development so that mm-hmm. there were pledges of support for infrastructure, ICT, and cybersecurity. Um, at the EAS, I mentioned earlier that there's this alignment of interest in terms of climate change and stability. Uh, sustainability between US and China. I think that uh, really spells quite good news for the region because as we move towards a green recovery, a clean energy transition, that's what we really want to see, that the major powers are in the game with us. Yeah, so I think those would be my kind of my key takeaways. The rest of the stuff are quite functional. 
And a lot of it is actually business as usual, things that you need to keep working on, chipping away at these issues. Mm. Now, so two questions for you, Sharon. Um, number one, and this is kind of like a layman question, is like, does the fact that all these summits and meetings were held virtually, uh, you know, on a kind of virtual platform, do they make a tangible difference from having an in-person meeting? And, and the second question, which is a more serious one, um, China and Australia are having their relationship with ASEAN upgraded to a comprehensive strategic partnership. Um, it seems like the Australians brought more to the table it, 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 and they actually had a, do a dollar value attached to their, you know, what they brought to the table. If I got it right, 114 uh, Australian dollars in kind of assistance to ASEAN. Whereas I don't see any dollar value being brought to the table by China. And it's like, so both countries are being, have their relationship upgraded, but it seems like Australia has a more tangible contribution. So why is that? So two questions for you, Sharon. Yeah, so one suitor brought flowers and the other didn't, but be that <laughs> as it may, uh, if you compare the two statements, they all had the same one sentence that said that ASEAN agrees to upgrade to a CSP for uh -huh. uh, mutual benefit. And so it's that one statement. And then it was up to the partner to announce what they wanted to announce. So, of course, Australia came with, I think it was $154 million, uh, William. All right, okay, okay. Uh, so, in assistance for, you know, COVID and uh, health and climate futures and so on and so forth. For China, I think the, the message that we got was that we have to look out for the next summit where more details will be explained to us as to mm. what they plan to do with this new partnership. Yeah. Okay. And then going to your first question, I think definitely so. You know, that camaraderie, the, the coffee sessions, adjourning, huddling, going in a small group, that really helps with the negotiations and with really understanding your partners, right? And we've all been working on Zoom and virtually Microsoft Teams for 20 months. Yeah. And we know well ourselves, you can't read the signals or the body language as well as you can if you were in the yeah. same room, right? Yeah. So I think that's been some impact, um, but they've, they're trying very hard. And I can see that um, all the partners and all the leaders made, really made that effort to turn up, be okay. present and be there. Yeah. Thanks for that, Sharon. Now, if I were a betting man and we're looking at Cambodia for 2022, like given that it was fully virtual, the meetings were fully virtual this year, if I was a betting man, I was willing to bet a couple of pesos or dong or, or bats, you know, on, on next year. Do you think we will still be having a virtual meeting come the summits in 2022? Uh, Mo or, or Sharon, would you care to you I know, think Cambodia is uh, hoping to hold it in person as early as the first summit next year. Okay. Yes, so, I think so you know, too. Yeah, conditions willing, right? That they yes, will be able to do it. Because they had to postpone the Asia-Europe meeting until later this year because of mm -hmm. the pandemic and they're still having to hold it virtually, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. So there's a glimmer of a chance that we, we could be seeing some. And don't forget that Cambodia has already reached 85% full vaccination as a right. country, the highest in Southeast Asia. And well, they started giving Singapore and Cambodia are about in the same ballpark in terms of vaccination rates, right? So, 
more? Uh, you wanted to say something more? Oh, no, I was just adding to Sharon that, you know, they've also started giving booster doses. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, William, it's, it's what you have observed uh, in terms of uh, the response in Singapore as well, relative to the population. Yeah, mm. they're, they're mm. just not, I think Cambodia's response has just not been, I think, um, in the, on the international radar in that regard. But, you know, they've been trying to uh, tackle that. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to move on to kind of a more philosophical topic, which is uh, ASEAN centrality, right? Which is uh, something that's always being banded around for the past 50 so years. Um, Sharon and I wrote a commentary in foreign policy recently about how ASEAN centrality is coming under increasing challenge. Um, I want to kind of put that question before the two of you, Mo and and Sharon. Um, Mo, given that all that we've seen, you know, in the junta chief from Myanmar not being invited to the summits and ASEAN kind of re-exerting itself, um, in you know being the arbiter of who gets invited to the summit, do you do you think uh ASEAN centrality is somewhat being bolstered by what we are seeing happening with Myanmar today? Um, and I'll pose the same question to Sharon, but albeit in a kind of a different fashion, as to you know if you see all these extra regional initiatives happening today, you know the the AUKUS deal between Australia, the United States, and the UK, and, and the Quad, uh, you know, as to how, how do you see uh, ASEAN centrality, and particularly what we have written in foreign policy, you know. So um, I think Sharon is scribbling furiously away on her piece of paper, so maybe I'll let Mo answer the question first. Oh, okay. Thank you. I was going to ask whether Sharon wanted to go first, but yeah, you know, this, this thing about um, ASEAN centrality is something that, uh, you know, we've, we three have been uh, discussing in our, you know, chats and conversations. And I read uh, your joint article, William, Sharon, with great interest. Um, but again, I'd like to circle back to what I highlighted about, you know, the internal dimension and the external dimensions of um, entrenching that centrality. And here, I think, uh, the, the adherence or the commitment, you know, to what uh, one as a member state has agreed to regionally is, is very important. Mm. And, and this is something that has been missing in all those, you know, statements at times, I think, bordering even on hysteria emanating out of the Ministry of Foreign, of, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Myanmar under the State Administration Council's control. So, uh, I, I think here this is what we need to really look at in terms of uh, what does you know being a member of ASEAN mean and what mm-hmm. do your regional commitments mean to you domestically rather than asserting uh, this this right uh, or this entitlement uh, citing the charter but really uh, you know when when you have this sort of ambiguous status as it were to to have a claim to that right so so in that sense uh, ASEAN's uh, gravitas and composure in continuing with uh you know holding the line uh, with mm-hmm. its decision and all the uh, nine ASEAN member states upholding that decision uh that was made uh, at the emergency foreign ministers meeting on the 15th of October i think that is a great example of ASEAN really uh, upholding its centrality and also uh, sending a clear message about you know how important uh 
how much importance ASEAN places uh, mm -hmm. on this principle. Uh, so, so that's that's my interpretation. That's my take. And and of course, the centrality that ASEAN has right now, uh, for whatever pragmatic reasons that dialogue partners and the international community wish to give it with regard to the Myanmar response, ASEAN still continues to have that central role. And I think this is something that the military junta in Myanmar. Uh, does recognize, uh, despite its uh, Jekyll and Hyde, more Hyde type of uh, uh, attitudes, uh, because in all these uh, statements that have been issued in recent days, uh, there are always, uh, you know, sentences, expressions that uh, they still wish to cooperate, uh, quote unquote, in accordance with the ASEAN spirit and ASEAN way. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see whether they mm -hmm. really, uh, you know, fulfill that promise. Mm. I think I can... Kind of just to give Sharon a bit more time to think, I think I have two points to add to what you've just said, uh, Mo, which is the first thing, um, centrality, you know, as, as it pertains to ASEAN member states, is, um, it's not just a legal term in itself, but in a sense, ASEAN member states have to lend centrality to yes. ASEAN as an organization exactly. insofar as they, they hew to the responsibilities of being an ASEAN member state. And that applies not only to Myanmar, but to the other nine ASEAN member states. And I, I also note your very good point about saying that uh, the junta is still committed to working with ASEAN, you know, to, you know, progressing, you know, this this issue despite the fact that you know there was no ministerial representative and i think it was really encouraging that brunei as the chair during the summit said that you know Myanmar is still part of the family but you know uh but we're giving it space kind of to sort out its issues uh but Myanmar is essentially still part of the asean family so i think this is this is a uh, something should be welcomed i think in in ASEAN that we're somewhat working through the difficult issues and really thinking about what ASEAN uh, really means and what ASEAN centrality really means. Um, yes, William, yes. Yeah. It really is as close to that time out that, you know, I kind mm. of suggested earlier in April. And and mm. that's that's, uh, that's uh, the kind of situation we're in. Mm. And uh, yeah, mm. it's, uh, I agree with uh, what you have highlighted about, uh, you know, ASEAN owning and earning yes. that central role. So I think mm. that's the main point here. ASEAN is owning its centrality. And by that token, I think it's really earning it as well. Mm. 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 Now, Sharon, the five, the five million baht question. You Only baht? I, 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 I'm Don't using baht Don't you mean real? <laughs> what Cambodian I'm going to say is like what we said. Is coming up. <laughs> We said in our article, right, this idea of centrality is very amorphous. And really it is. It does, it's like a shape shifter, you know, in those movies that you watch, right? It doesn't really have a defined shape. It, it goes where it needs to go. It's, it's like an amphibious uh, creature. It can go on land, you can go on sea. Well, that's and cheap. That's yeah. really what I think ASEAN, that's the true beauty of ASEAN. The fact that it's so adapted keeping conflict at bay, keeping the peace, somehow not putting things in black and white, things are a little grey, and it works for them. So what's really important for ASEAN is really, you don't really have to be very central, you just have to have a facade of centrality. And if people believe your story and buy it, you've got it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, okay. I think you have a point there in the sense that as long as centrality is kind of amorphous, you can kind of get through, you can kind of get by with a lot of things. And uh, I think ASEAN is at a interesting crossroads in, in a sense that, you know, the the progress that is made towards uh, on the Myanmar issue, progress made on like the strategic partnerships with China and ASEAN and of course getting the, you know, the US back again in, in, a, in a big way. Uh, at, at the same time, on the opposite side of the ledger, I would say that um, ASEAN is kind of deficient, you know, as we, as we argued in our foreign policy article, on kind of the hard security side of the ledger, especially when it comes to the South China Sea and the, the fact that it's deficient in kind of the security side of its shop has actually necessitated, uh, in my view, um, initiatives such as the AUKUS deal between Australia, the UK and the United States, and of course the Quad uh, uh, between Australia, Japan, India and the United States. And I, I think that um, there's still a couple more rounds that we need to see before we can come to a final conclusion of, of ASEAN centrality. But I think at the moment, uh, we are kind of at a high point after finishing the 38 and 39 um, ASEAN summits, and I'm sure both Sharon and Mo are looking forward to what we can see um, at the summits uh, um, in, in 2022. Um, do, you, do you guys have anything else to add before I, I wrap I, this up? No, actually, I was going to ask Mo this question. You know, uh, Myanmar has threatened to seek legal recourse over that decision to exclude Min Online. Do you think that that's going to deal a blow somehow to centrality and just reveal the cracks all over again? That's a great point, Sharon. And you know, when we talk about legal recourse, I'm I'm just like thinking of our friend and colleague Ha's commentary about mm. how mm. the uh, State Administration Council's legal challenge somehow doesn't hold water uh, when it comes to the kind of assertions it's making. Now, knowing a little bit of what I know of how it might be in, in the corridors in Nedidor, they're probably trying to call up those, uh, you know, retired officials who were at the eminent persons group um, discussions uh, on the ASEAN Charter uh, and, of course, the, uh, the high-level task force drafting the ASEAN Charter uh, to, to really, I, I think, you know, find that, that argument, that justification. But, you know, as, as Ha pointed out as well, it's, it's not about the legality. It's, it's, again, William, this is probably where you might want to bring in your Bruce Lee quote about, Bruce being, Lee like, quote? Oh. about being like water, <laughs> you know, about being like water. And I think this is, this is where that, that importance of, you know, uh, you know, understanding what are the stakes, what is the situation and adapting to it is, uh, it, it cuts both ways. And I yeah. think that is what senior general Min Online also needs to understand. You know, uh, you keep pushing, but you know, what what you are pushing for is it something that is uh, uh, that is uh, that is in itself, you know, uh, legal or holding water in that sense. And mm -hmm. and again, you know, it's 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 just if it's just for the sake of satisfying your ego, then what are you doing? Uh, basically, he shot himself in the foot with this absence at the ASEAN summit. And, and of course, you know, uh, it even kind of like, I think, in my view, in my personal view, it even created that kind of situation uh, that might have been, quote unquote, ideal 
for for ASEAN in the sense that now you are spared that uh, dilemma of you know uh, having to look at who is the representative of Myanmar because there are also these competing claims and repeated requests from the national unity government that are coming in. So keeping the seat empty kind of like gives ASEAN also that space, that breather. If Breathing you space, yeah. Breathing yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, the national unity government is also, I think, taking up this uh, ASEAN centrality, ASEAN commitment uh, consideration a bit further. Uh, I, I, I know, I, I've read that uh, they have appointed an ambassador to ASEAN. So we'll have to see uh, how much of that steep learning curve that uh, that representative uh, takes in the future months to come. I don't think he will see his uh, credentials presented that soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Sharon. I think yeah. uh, that's, that's the thing. Uh, ASEAN, of course, in, uh, in, in maintaining that neutral stance between the ambiguous, uh, the ambiguity of these competing claims is also asserting its centrality of uh, what, uh, you know, the, the body uh, proper feels and thinks about the situation rather than, uh, you know, giving in to one side or the other or, you know, uh, manipulating or playing both sides of the other. That's not how ASEAN does it. Uh, ASEAN basically is still trying to reconcile uh, what it does uh, in terms of upholding that centrality with uh, with the consultation and uh, trying to get as many countries to not object to agreements and decisions as possible. So this is this is how I view it uh, from my you know very constructivist view. Thanks a lot for that, Mo. It's, it's amazing that uh, at, towards the end of this podcast, you can actually put three things. Uh, Myanmar, shooting yourself in the foot, and Bruce Lee in the same sentence. So I, you, you deserve a pat on the back, Mo. Uh, I've, for, I've been mixing country. my metaphors. I'm sorry. Second <laughs> <Check in> that. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to bring this podcast to a close, but I think we've covered a lot of topics today. The summits, uh, the ASEAN summits, Myanmar, external powers and kind of looking ahead to the Cambodian chairmanship of ASEAN next year. So thanks, uh, thanks uh, Sharon and thanks Mo for, for being part of this podcast and I truly enjoyed myself and uh, here's uh, saying uh, to, you know, hope our listeners actually enjoy this podcast and looking forward to the next one. <laughs>